New Year, everybody. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Dante Death himself, Paul Tuke. As you know, in Dr. Death pictures, there's always a young and pretty victim. Sometimes I um, strangle her. Sometimes I boil her alive. And sometimes, if I'm lazy, I just uh, slit her throat from ear to ear. <laughs> Miss Peters, as they say in horror movies, you will come to a bad end. Wait a minute, you're supposed to be working on the Peters murders. Oh, I am, sir. The Peters murder was done with a pitchfork. Exactly like the one in this film. If Paul Toombs copied it, then he's a fool. Hello, this is PJ Souls from Halloween and Innocent Prey and Carrie and totally a lot of other movies. And you are listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, episode 159. And this time we're, we're rectifying a wrong uh, in so much that we are covering the original Patreon pick. Um, not Patreon pick, actually, sorry. Well, it's a listener pick by Annette Cecil, who actually chose Madhouse, which um, uh, he who shall not be named, <coughs> Joseph, Joseph, got wrong. And we covered last week uh, Madhouse 1981. But in fact, she chose Madhouse 1974, the Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, Proto Slasher. Um, so we are rectifying that wrong by covering it this time. So um, so that will be coming up shortly. But before we start, how's it going? Is it snowing in Ireland, Eric? Uh, it's supposed to today on St. Patrick's Day. But okay. uh, which uh, where are my presents, by the way? Your presents? You're, all supposed, to send me, you're supposed to send me presents because it's St. Patrick's Day. Mm, oh, it's I in the post. Nothing has, nothing has arrived yet. It's in the post. It's in the post, Eric. Okay. Well, no, it's not snowing yet, but it is cold, and I have no intention of stepping outside today. Oh, fair enough. Yes. Well, yeah. it's, it's been snowing a little bit here, but it's supposed to be uh, supposed to be getting a heavy load uh, later on tonight. I'm sure um, it is. Yeah. So, uh, Joseph, how are you doing? I'm Lou Paloma. Blow me. <sighs> is that a Simpsons reference? I'm always lost. I never. Tales from the crypt. Oh. Yeah. But not yeah, the I See, I was. Blow me on I was trying, yeah. I was trying to, um, I was trying to think of a quote that would also insult the both of you for your shallow and pedantic insults. So I just chose "blow me" with oh. the with the addendum of "I'm Lou Paloma." So there you go. Well, as usual, that goes right over my head. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you never watched Tales from the Crypt, either of you? Not the TV show. No, I've Not seen the, the two TV movies. Oh, no, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I hope it's better than Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> what? I love Tales yeah, from the Dark Side. Yeah, I said it there. And Nathan, how's your head? I'm leaving Twisted Hysteria, Eric. <gasps> Don't worry, Justin. We'll keep the misfits together. Um, yes. I am doing very well. And I have a question for Eric. Yes. I was watching a game show last night. And one of the questions is... Uh, something about, I can't remember the name of it, a Blarthy Stone in Ireland? Blarney Stone. Have you ever visited it? Have I ever kissed it? No. You're supposed to kiss it and you get the gift of the gab. Yeah. But it's very unhygienic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the amount so. of saliva that must be on that stone. Yeah. <laughs> Are they making out with it? <laughs> uh, I don't think you actually make out with it. You don't use your tongue or anything, but you just give it a little peck on the on the stone. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the question. I didn't know the answer to it because it was like, what do you do to the stone? And I put, I said, put your hand on it, but I guess I was a little more sanitary. Yeah. Was the, was the game show the chase? No. Uh, was it that one where you have to, where whammies, no whammies, no whammies, stop. Stop. No, it was, it's uh, called child support. What? Yeah, that's the name of it. What, a game show? Yeah, but I mean, really, it's like you get like a a bunch of questions as an adult does. And if the adult gets it wrong, these kids get a chance to answer it, too. And if the kids get it right, the adult can stay in the game. Is that from the same makers as unemployment benefits? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's an entertaining show. Sounds like Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, actually. Mm. Sort of. I mean, it's a different format, but it's kind of like that. So okay. it's, it's not kind of like uh, you play for your child's welfare, and if you lose, then they... <laughs> if you lose, yeah, your child's on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> get any welfare. Well, that sounds no, very... Like, I'm going to a foster home! <laughs> <laughs> so. But because of it, I now know what the Blar... Blarney Stone. Blarney Stone. Blarney Stone. It's, in, it's in Blarney Castle. Yeah. Oh, Eric, that's what it's called that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Are you I sure? Said Barney Eric. Stone. I was going to say, like, <laughs> gee, Fred, I just kissed this big rock. <laughs> But Eric, I can't believe you've not kissed that stone with the gob you've got on you. Hey! It's oh, insulted. <laughs> it's miles away, anyway. Well, so, anyway, but we're talking, well, talking of Irish things, um, we have recorded a commentary for Arrow's upcoming uh, Rawhead Rex, Blu-ray Rex. Are you allowed to say that? Well, I think so. Well, I presume okay. I am. Well, it's already been, the, the title's been announced, hasn't it? Um, with all the other special features, mm. but we have recorded a commentary for it, so I'm presuming we can talk about it. If yeah. not, then well, oops. I mean, it's oops. it's out in May, so I'm assuming they're not yeah. going to wait until May to say, "Hey, we we add them onto the disc." Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so we had a fun commentary for that. So hopefully that will be good. And we've also got a um, another commentary coming up, or another one coming, and I can't remember if we can talk about that one, so I probably won't. But we do. Have, we've got a couple, actually, don't we've we? We've got a few. We've got we've, a couple of, uh, yeah. We've got a couple of big ones coming our way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all we can say at this moment. But uh, yeah, keep and your eyes. And of course, uh, you know what tomorrow is, don't you? Well, the eighteenth of March. Eighteenth of March. Oh yes, drunk cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I've got my booze. Or just my another booze normal day for Justin. <sighs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's out of the ordinary for him. Oh, no, how rude. Yeah. It's a big deal he's for the other three of us. Already, yeah. He's probably already drunk right now, I'd say. Yeah. No, I'm drinking green tea with seaweed. Ew. What? Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> I'm drinking iced coffee. Oh, very nice. I'm not drinking anything. Well, it's still delicious. I have a cherry Pepsi Max. It's got zero calories, so it's really good for me. <laughs> I think we should yeah. also just yeah. mention just mention the when we talked about the twisted hysteria and hysteria misfits are the two. Um, what do they call it when you get the supergroups of the podcast? And we will be singing songs. Supergroup. Supergroup. Well, that's what I said. Yeah. The supergroup from the. <laughs> From the uh, the podcast, well, the, the um, misfits are a pooper group. Oh, for goodness' sake! Um, we will <laughs> be singing. We will be singing is, yeah. um, songs. It's kind of like misfits are artistic. Yeah. It's about the no. Music. You're like you're like the misfits from Gem and the Outrageous Holograms. You're just evil and tuneless. 
No. Like <laughs> their songs were better. They said it in the opening credits. Yeah, that's because they're so boastful and big-headed. <laughs> well, if you want to hear us sing um, songs from Demons 1 and 2 and cover the films on our drunk cast, then please become a patron. Um, and there are details on how to do that a little bit later in the show. Um, so... Shall we? Well, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. So it's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we recorded. So, Eric, what have you been watching recently? I actually watched two films on Netflix this week, and I think that's the first time I've ever watched two films on Netflix. I've had a subscription for about two years. Uh, I occasionally watch the odd comedy BBC comedy show, but this is the first time I've actually watched some movies. Uh, I watched Annihilation, and this is a caused a bit of a stir this week because this is a big budget movie by Alex Garland. It's his follow up to Ex Machina, and it's gone straight to Netflix over here in Europe, whereas it had a uh, a big cinema wide cinema release a couple of weeks ago in the states. Um, it's deemed too intelligent apparently for mainstream audiences, which is why they pulled it from theatrical release in uh, you know in Europe. But uh, it starts out kind of as a straightforward sci-fi mystery movie. There's these five military women who go into this hemispherical bubble that has appeared in Florida, and it's slowly expanding. Uh, they nickname it the Shimmer, so the team go into the Shimmer and discover that it's having a, a weird effect on all the flora and fauna, and it's it's playing havoc with all the DNA on every individual sort of living creature and plant. Uh, so it, it remains kind of a straightforward um sci-fi movie for a good deal of its running time and it has lots of effective moments of horror um, and then the finale is I suppose the thing that it reminded me most of in terms of tone was something like Under the Skin which is probably where the studio execs got a bit uh, nervy about releasing it to you know multiplexes over here because it has uh, a more abstract feel for the final 20-25 minutes um, and there's one moment in it that made me feel it was straight out of um, the movie. I think it's pronounced Kero, but it it's, it's translates as Pulse, the Japanese um, surreal apocalyptic movie uh, about technology. It was remade, of course, for the States. So it has a bit of that going on as well. I loved it, I have to say. Um, it's probably not for our sci-fi hating co-host Nathan, but uh, I thought there was loads to enjoy in the film. I still think it, it's it's mainstream enough to have gotten a, a you know a cinema release over here but um as i don't really go to the cinema that often anymore i was quite more than happy to you know have it dumped on netflix um early so um yeah i really enjoyed it i don't know if anyone else has any desire to catch up with annihilation i've heard some uh yeah i've heard some pretty good things about a a friend of mine actually recommended he said it's not really your type of movie but i really but on the other hand i think you would actually like it so i'm kind of looking forward to it but i did have a question for you eric yes do you um do you like it when there's loads to enjoy Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. You're just being dirty now. And you know what baby Jesus says about dirty little boys? They're, they they're get bowls. everything they want in life? No, no they don't. Okay. Oh, that's too bad. I've, I've seen Annihilation. I saw it on Netflix the other, the other day. And I, I really what liked it. Yeah. No, I liked it. It's, um, it is, uh, it's not a kind of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of spaceman type movie by any stretch. It is, it, I think the comparison to some of those... Um, Japanese films of the early 2000s like um, Pulse uh, and a number of other films is pretty spot on really because it's, um, especially like you say, the last half an hour, it becomes almost quite hypnotic doesn't it? It's mm, kind of yeah. it, it, Which it, I thought was great but yeah. I, I can understand a lot of people would be a bit annoyed but 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I think, um, I, I think if, to be honest, if it means that they can make films that, would, that actually take a bit of a risk and actually do something a little bit different, um, and it means they go to Netflix in bypassing cinema, then that's not necessarily a bad thing in so much. I think Paramount made its money back by selling onto Netflix anyway. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was, it was interesting. It's probably a bit over long. It's about an hour and 55 minutes, but um, yeah. It's not a film I'm going to rush back to watch anytime soon, but I thought it. Was I would, good. I would happily rewatch it. I think. Did you like? You liked Under the Skin as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I did. I mean, it did remind me. Yeah, it's it's very similar to Under the Skin in in a lot of ways. It has that hypnotic kind of pulsing feel to it throughout, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Oh, um, if if it's anything like Under the Skin, then I'll probably love it because I I loved Under the Skin. I thought that was amazing. Mm. It's got it's got a really. I mean, I like the the concept where this idea that you've got this shimmer where all the DNA is flying about, and so people and plants take on um, every you know every living things that starts taking on sort of the DNA of other living things around them. And I thought the the bit with the the the, the bear that kind of after killing somebody got her voice and was yes. walking around was quite creepy. Mm. It was quite well done. So, mm. and I, I really liked the. The little found footage moment in it where they find a video camera and they see what happened to a previous expedition which mm. i thought was quite creepy yeah yeah mm. no i yeah i liked it i'll talk to you off air eric about my theory yes. about what the ending meant okay so i want to give that away mm-hmm. so yeah so excellent anything else eric okay the other one I, I i'm sort of probably stealing your thunder here and maybe I'll, you want to wait until you're recently seen but the other film i watched on your recommendation and seen as st patrick's day as we're recording <laughs> is nails <laughs> oh, so yes. do you do you want to talk about nails no no you go you go ahead i think um... okay so nails is an irish horror film that i was completely unaware of until you mentioned you'd spotted it on netflix uh, justin it opens with a scene of our heroine who is i can't remember the actress's name but she was in the descent she's a Shauna, scottish Shauna actress mcdonald sorry shauna something isn't it shauna that's McDonald's, it yeah shauna yeah. mcdonald's yeah. yeah um so so she like is hit uh, by a car in a very abrupt scene where in, in a sort of a hit and run accident and it reminded me of the bus scene in Final Destination because it's that abrupt and it's because of because it's so abrupt it becomes almost comical and that's the sort of tone that it, the film sets out on from the very start and then the rest of the film is set with her in the hospital recovering from the accident she's paralysed from the waist down she can only communicate via a laptop um, in, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking, RIP type way. Um, so she has to type in her speech and it sort of comes out in a, in a not really a robotic voice. It's kind of got this female, almost human sounding voice, which is utterly uh, unbelievable. Um, she starts having these spooky apparitions of this man, which is, in fairness to the film, the apparition is genuinely creepy and it's very well done. The makeup is really good and, and all that. But the film, the plot is utterly generic. It's trying to ride on the coattails of other sort of spooky apparition films like Lights Out and Mama and The Conjuring and Insidious and all those. But the plot is just so un- unengaging and the serious tone that they're going for is radically undone by certain scenes throughout the film. As I said, our heroine can only communicate through this voice box where she types in the text. Um, so she's, uh, you know, she, she, there's one scene where she's typing sort of an eloquent soliloquy to a doctor. It's like, you wouldn't do that. If like, you, you, you type in sort of monosyllabic answers to things, um, you wouldn't be there to like typing away like a, you know, a secretary, you know, giving a little speech about how you feel. Um, 
the funniest moment for me by far is there's a scene where she's in a wheelchair and her daughter is pushing around the hospital trying to escape the evil and the lift is out of order so they decide to take the stairs um and of course they they she manages to get down one step i think before she goes plummeting down in hilarious fashion um <laughs> And then there's a, there's another scene where the evil force levitates a person up and starts bashing them from side to side off the walls and off the ceiling and that. And it's it's absolutely comical. Um, I was in fits of laughter watching it. Um, so, uh, you know, it is a bad movie, but I can't I'd say I wasn't entertained because uh, I was. Would I rush back to watch it? I'd fast forward to this to the wheelchair scene and a, f- a few other bits and pieces Um but no, I probably wouldn't watch it again. But I do have to admit that the creepy man who um, appears throughout the film, who's called Eric. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he is genuinely creepy looking and very, like the effects are very well done in that way. But um, yeah, it's it's a bit naff. What did you think? Well, I thought it was um, hilarious. I mean, it was kind of, it had the makings of a good creepy movie. I mean, it kind of reminds me, it could have gone the, the, the Patrick roots um you know and i had mm. some kind of creepy moments but it i don't know whether it was but by design or whatever but it, it just goes into completely farcical i think sean mcdonald tries really hard with the material i think she's um but uh yeah by the end with her going down the stairs in the wheelchair and and they um all the the last half an hour of the film is just so over the top it's so ridiculous it's it I, we were just laughing our tears were running down our cheeks as well we just thought it was <laughs> you know you know when you start a film and you don't know any, anything about it and i thought i had looked at the reviews on imdb and people are going it was awful but then to be honest I always thought it was a pinch of salt because people are always going it's the worst film ever made you know on practically everything on imdb and you just think well you know i'll make up my own mind um but uh, yeah, it's it is just ridiculous. The whole film is is very silly, um, and I'd love to know whether or not it was meant to be that silly, or it was actually done um, with a straight face. I don't know. What about you, Joseph and Nathan? Did you manage to catch it? No, um, I meant to, but it, it kind of completely slipped my mind. But oh, hearing about that wheelchair moment, now I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it before our next show so we can talk about it too. Yeah, because the wheelchair scene is like, okay, you're going to have to be really careful now. Take me down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Is it on Netflix in the States? Because it's a it's a fairly new movie. It's twenty seventeen. I think it only appeared on Netflix over here in the last few weeks or so. I I don't. I'm know. not sure if it is or not. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to look. Account pulled up, so I'd have to look up, look at it later. Let, hmm. let me look and see. Hmm. Okay. No, but um, yeah, I, I wanted to see that because uh, Justin's, uh, I guess, half hearted recommendation that it was it was very funny, kind of. Mm. Made me want to watch it, but I just it completely slipped my mind. Let's see if it's on Netflix over here. Mm. Yep, well, it is. Okay, awesome. well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you, Eric. Is there anything else? No, that was it. Yeah. Okay, I got, I've got I got my seventeen euros worth out of Netflix this month. Finally, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Right, uh, Joseph, how about you? Uh, well, I'm still watching Ash vs. Evil Dead up to the third episode. Still having a lot of fun with that, but I really won't go into much detail oh, I watched, that. Oh, I watched the first episode of that this morning. So what did you think? I loved this. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, it, the, the season hmm. Yeah, the season is still still humming along for me. The show's still humming along for me, so I'm still enjoying it. 
Mm. But um, the only thing I really watched was a independent uh, thriller called Midnighters. Um, it's sort of a lower rent variation on a simple plan from Sam Raimi. Uh, it stars the uh, the lovely and talented uh, Alex Esso, who was quite impressive in uh, Starry Eyes from a few years back. And uh, I mean, it starts out quite promising. It, it, it kind of lets the suspense sort of slowly build. It's definitely a slow burn for the first uh, 30 to 45 minutes. But um, there's uh, two factors that are introduced midway through that pretty much unequivocally killed the remainder of the movie for me. Uh, without spoiling too much, the, the, the plot is basically um, this couple who are on their way home from a New Year's Eve party. Um, they both had had a little too much to drink, and uh, they accidentally strike and kill a man with their car on this uh, kind of deserted back road. Or so they think it's not really much of a spoiler to say that it turns out that the guy isn't quite dead. And um, things kind of spiral out of control from there. But, uh, I mean, I was with the movie for about 30 to 45 minutes because the characters were pretty likable. And they seemed to be making, you know, uh, the right decisions, you know, concerning a very bleak situation for a change. But, man, they introduce um, an actress into the story who I guess her 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 character's kind of integral to the plot but boy her thespian abilities were so bad that it was like a black hole just basically sucking all the fun and suspense out of the film every time she That's Justin's line. <laughs> yeah, every time she had a line it was just like the film would just come to a complete stop. Um, but, you know, acting aside, I'm, I'm sometimes willing to forgive acting. So um, I, I kind of brush that aside. But then the, the, the worst, the, the, the biggest sin the film commits is that everyone in the, in the film, by the halfway point, they just start believe, they start behaving kind of very unbelievably in order to put, you know, uh, one specific character into a situation that would warrant the film's kind of, I guess it's closing payoff. It's like no one knew how to realistically arrive to the, the story. Conclusion. So I guess they took what started out as believable, you know, characters and just twisted them like pretzels into different uh, characters entirely. And they seem they seem like they were from a different movie and a different plot altogether. And it was just very frustrating. I mean, once I once I got to the payoff, I just didn't really care anymore. I mean, because um, the character who who I guess gets the payoff was now basically a completely different character and not not really the one that I'd been rooting for uh, previously. I mean, I know characters are supposed to evolve in movies, but um, I think the key word is evolve and not just swap personalities on the on. Uh, in the blink of an eye it's just i don't know it just felt really lazy it's not a bad film it's got some pretty good suspense for the first half and it's shot well on i'm assuming a modest budget but it's god it's just so frustrating the plot is so frustrating how they just kind of contort things just to fit that payoff um i think the uh, i think the story could have you know stood of uh, a couple of rewrites before you know going in front of the cameras and um, maybe recast a certain actress in the film uh I, i'm not going to say a, a miss or a hit i'm just going to say it's uh it, it's got the makings of a, a really good thriller but it's just so frustrating okay i've not uh, seen that and nathan is that one you've caught no i haven't seen it either Okay, you'd probably feel the same way as me, Nathan. You'd probably be like, "Oh, this first forty-five minutes, this is really suspenseful," but then it just really goes off the rails. That's a bummer. 
Is there anything else, Joseph? Uh, boy, I think that's all for this week. Okay, well, thank you. Nathan, how about you? Um, I watched one called Viral that came out just a few years ago. It's like the uh, movie where the this weird flu hits a, a town and they get quarantined. And uh, like these two sisters, uh, it's basically the they're the main characters, these two sisters who are separated from their dad. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I'd probably give it like a six out of ten. I mean, it, it it's fairly run of the mill in my opinion, but that didn't mean it wasn't entertaining. It was. It was just you know, it's kind of the the movie kind of had a been there done that feel to it. You know, with the whole viral infection. I mean, I just I've seen so many of those movies, and you know, I'm I'm. You know, I like them well enough, but it's not like a, a slasher movie for me. You know, like slasher movies, I mean, I know that we could say that a lot of them are, you know, follow base, the same basic formula, but I find those entertaining. Whereas these, you know, I mean, it's it's good enough, but I don't know. That's just not my particular subgenre in horror. But, I mean, it, like I said, 6 out of 10, it's not a bad movie. I would recommend it to, you know, horror fans in general. Cool. I, I have seen that, but uh, a year or so ago, so I don't remember that much about it. But maybe it's quite slick, isn't it? It's quite a kind of um, well-made film. Yeah, but I'm like you. Ask me a year from to now if I remember anything about it, and I bet I won't. No. That's the bad thing about it, um, I guess. And uh, the other one I've been very excited to talk to you guys about is The Strangers Pray at Night. Mm, I loved it. I loved every minute of this movie. It is just a fun slasher movie. It is nothing like the original Strangers, and I was glad because you guys know how I feel about bleak and depressing movies. They just – they aren't my cup of tea. Um, so, I mean, while I did like the strangers cause it was creepy enough, it's just not one I would ever want to go back and watch again because of that whole like downbeat atmosphere. But this one takes it much more upbeat. I mean, like there it's, it's very over the top. It's very ridiculous in many scenes, but it just features like this family of four, like fighting, you know, these three strangers and they do a really good job of fighting back. Like it's a crazy battle at this trailer park and there's this, awesome uh, sequence where they're playing a uh, total eclipse of the heart by Bonnie Tyler while two particular characters are fighting um, in a pool. And it's just really good because the song is being played over the loudspeakers. And when the camera goes above the water, you hear it very clearly. But of course, when it focuses on them fighting under the water, it's very muffled, like basically how they would hear it. So I thought that was really a good choice on the, you know, the director's part. And yeah, I mean, it's just a really fun slasher movie. I read a review, and somebody was basically giving it a negative review. They were saying something along the lines of, this movie is just a dumb slasher. It's like three Jasons uh, versus four victims. And I'm like, what is wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's good to me. Like, that's a recommendation. Yeah, it's um, kind of kind of weird. Um, 
it actually got three and a half stars on RogerEbert.com, which was pretty shocking because ever since um, in his later years, Roger Ebert kind of softened up on slasher films. He actually gives some pretty high marks to a couple. But um, when he died and a lot of these kind of indie reviewers took over, they just kind of knock everything. So I was actually shocked to see that this film got almost four stars on that particular site. So I'm, I'm kind of kind of hopeful for it i haven't seen it yet but i'm really looking forward to it i mean it's it's not you know the next halloween or anything but i mean it's just an entertaining you know fun movie i mean it was just a fun time at the movies for me and that always kind of enhances the experience when the whole audience is really engaged with the movie and you know, kind of, you know, yelling at characters who are doing stupid things, which actually that was another thing I was going to mention is I was reading a lot of reviews for this one. And I mean, obviously, it being a horror movie, characters in this movie make dumb decisions that make you want to slap your head. But um, the problem for me is that so many people are complaining like this movie takes the stupidity of its characters to a whole new level and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, no, it really doesn't, because, I mean, Evil Dead is one of the classics in the horror genre, and I love it. Like, I would give it a 10 out of 10, but we can't say that the characters are smart in that movie. I mean, Cheryl hears a voice calling her name in the woods in the middle of the night, and she decides to go and investigate this voice. I mean, that is one of the dumbest decisions anybody could make. So I'm like, I don't think it's fair to, like, I guess, like— Consider it an awful thing that this new Strangers movie has characters doing dumb things when all slasher movie characters or slasher movies have characters that do dumb things. I mean, it's just it's par for the course. You can find something stupid in every movie. My um, especially my turn. De- yeah, <laughs> my my defense of that has always been. Um, if you're faced with a, a dangerous situation, uh, in my mind, you're not going to do all the right things. Your adrenaline and your your fear is going to take over, and you're going to get sluggish. You're going to get you're going to you're not going to think think clearly. So um, I don't find a lot of these decisions stupid. Now there are there are some exceptions like uh, Wrong Turn Four, where the, oh, the decisions God. are. The decisions are extremely, extremely stupid, but for the most part, I can forgive someone who uh, decides to check out a noise when they shouldn't. But, um, yeah, I just don't find fault with little little nitpicky things like that, and I think that's just a— I don't want to watch a, horror films where people don't check out noises. That's yeah, the whole joy of horror. I know. Like, yeah. I, I love that characters do that. See, I'm not that, knocking Evil Dead for Cheryl going out and doing it. I'm just saying that— it's it's just a normal situation in horror movies. Characters do dumb things. I love it. I mean, that's, that's kind part of the, the way it works. Yeah. It's part of the fun is getting the audience participation. Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, if, if they if they did everything right, it would be boring. You'd be sitting there thinking, okay, they're doing everything right. They're going to make it out alive. No one's going to get hurt. Where's the fun in that? Yeah, I think about like Halloween, you know, like people yell at Lori when she drops the knife after she stabs Michael with the knitting needle. But if she went over there, went over there and finished him off, we wouldn't have got the big finale that we got. So... I mean, come on. That's <laughs> we should be glad she dropped the knife. Exactly, but not so much of Eric dropping the soap in the shower. Hey! Oh no, no, no! <laughs> you can only wish. <laughs> Have you seen uh, that, Joseph? You seen? Uh, no. no um, God, I, I tried to catch it this weekend, but I didn't have time. But I'm really looking forward to it. I'm gonna try to catch it this week if I can. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you, Nathan. Is there anything anything else? Um, yes, but it's actually going to end up being my next Patreon pick, so I'm not going to talk about it now. Okay. But I will say that everybody's going to love it. 
Mm, okay, well, we'll take that at, um, at, uh, with a pinch of salt. But thank you, Nathan. Uh, so I caught up with a couple of other things. Um, obviously, we've spoken about nails and annihilation. But um, I saw a film that was quite similar well, in some ways to the one we're covering today, which was the 1967 proto-slasher Berserk with Joan Crawford as a ringmaster of a circus in the United Kingdom when people start being killed, bumped off one by one at the circus. Um, and it's a very, as you might expect, it's a kind of campy, good time, sort of uh, one of her exploitation movies uh, she made in the wake of Baby Jane. Um it's yeah it's very it's it's very campy i mean it's not a great film the other reason it i kind of compared it to madhouse today is is it stops every 25 minutes or 20 minutes to show you like five minutes worth of circus acts which kind of kills the suspense dead um it's not as bad as in um uh, no it's madhouse isn't as bad where it's, it stops every five minutes to show you clips of old vincent price movies but it's um had a similar feel to it but there's there's some great kills in it it's got Diana the doors as like this bitchy um uh sort of circus entertainer who gets um sawn in half and also got michael goff who um uh, there's a great scene um with him um uh, sorry spoiler alert but um you know when those kind of that we talked about those kind of really unlikely murders that you see in films like um when the killer's hiding inside a deep freeze or inside a snowdrift or something like that just in case somebody wanders past um in this there's a great scene where somebody walks into the massive um deserted big top goes over, stands um, in front of a pole, which has a hole through it, leans his head back against the pole, and someone hammers a tent pole through the back of it into into his head. So it just all hinges on the fact that he would be he would walk over to that particular pole in this kind of like 600-foot square um, circus tent. But that's kind of a, a campy old good time. Have you, you guys seen that? Never seen it, no. Okay. I feel like I've seen that um, a long time ago, but I almost I almost wish you were talking about the 1987 Berserker. Oh yeah, about the well, bear or, <laughs> well, or the the wear bear or whatever it is, killing people. Oh, a Nordic okay. thing. The Gary Newman single Berserker. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's definitely worth watching if you get a chance. Even just going to fast forward to the last five minutes because it's so the revelation of who the killer is is so over the top and so ridiculous. And what happens to the killer is so bizarre and ridiculous that it was, it just kind of makes it all worthwhile. So if you ever get a chance to watch that. And the other film um, I watched was a newer slasher movie from a few years ago, which I hadn't seen. One that I imagine that uh, Nathan will hate uh, because of its um, the way it finishes up is Fender Bender. Um, have you guys seen that? Yes. I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. Mm. Did you hate that, Nathan? Uh, I didn't hate the movie, but blah to the ending. Well, that's Just what blah. I thought. That's what I thought. It's kind of a, I, I liked it. It was um, it was uh, advertised as a throwback to '80s slasher movies, and it kind of, it kind of well, it is kind of, um, and uh, you know, it's kind of quite a clever idea that somebody, this guy, goes around and crashes into the back um, of, of women in his car, like Fender Bender, and then exchanges details. Uh, with them and then he stalks them because he has their home address and telephone number uh, and uh, he does that to a like 17 year old student uh, and then he goes to her house and her friends around uh, and he kind of kills them off one by one 
um yeah i thought it was um it was pretty effective it's pretty good fun um but it's uh it it's quite a bleak the ending's quite bleak which is why i thought uh, nathan may not have enjoyed it as much but um joseph have you caught that no, um, but uh, our friend Armando Munoz, who used to go by um, Hambone on the forums, I mm. if I, I I may be wrong, but it seems like his um, his uh, his partner is uh, one of the stuntmen on the film, and he had kind of championed it a while back. So okay. I need to check it out. Okay, all right, interesting. I may I may have the, I may have that movie mixed up. I need to ask him, but I'm pretty sure it was Fender Bender because isn't that the movie with the um, the killer? He sort of wears almost like fetishistic kind of clothing yeah. maybe yeah. no that is that's right yeah yeah, yeah then that's a, that's the movie he was talking about okay cool okay uh directed by mark pavia it looks like who did uh yeah. the night flyer which oh i like the night flyer yeah the night flyer is like a billion times better yeah i love ooh. night flyer that's a I might, I might have to pick that one at some point for patreon i've never seen because i like that movie yeah no, I've never seen Nightflyer. Is that a Stephen King adaptation? Isn't it? Yeah, it, it's a it's an adaptation um, mm. with a Miguel Ferrar who is uh, who recently passed away. Really, really effective. A little, uh, I guess you'd call it a vampire movie in a in a way. Okay, I shall check that out. So, okay, well, that's what we've been watching recently. So, uh, without further ado, let's go on to the main attraction, and here is the trailer, which is me. Uh, well. No, that's the um, the B picture. This is the main attraction, uh, Madhouse from 1974. Ladies and gentlemen, for the next few moments, you will be witnessing scenes from a new motion picture starring Vincent Price, master of the macabre. To those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the Madhouse. <laughs> Perhaps it was inevitable. For years, this man has played the role of Dr. Death. For years, he has pretended to be a hideous, murdering monster. Now, at last, he has actually become one. American International presents Vincent Price in Madhouse, where lunacy lives. All I ever got was a stake through the heart. Tonight, I would like you to meet my next victim. Fear lurks. Evil walks. And death waits. Death is the name of a doctor you've met. Stop it! Madhouse, a cinematic shock treatment, guaranteed to scare you out of your mind. No one ever leaves Madhouse. When his new wife is murdered on their wedding day, American horror star Paul Toombs, Vincent Price, has a breakdown as institutionalised. A decade later, he returns the spotlight when his Doctor Death character is resurrected for a British TV series. Written by his longtime friend Herbert Flay, Peter Cushing, and produced by his old rival, Oliver Quayle, Robert Quarry. But a series of new murders in the style of his screen character tests his sanity once again. So, Madhouse is um, it's an interesting film in so much that it's 
it, it kind of it very much harks back to the past, but also has one eye on the future in so much. This is definitely uh, a proto slasher in a lot of ways. Um, I reviewed this on Hysteria Libs a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking it's um, there's scenes towards the end of the movie, um, specifically a scene where the killer, who is dressed in a black fedora, uh, a cape and black gloves and a skull face, which is very reminiscent of um, of a movie, one of uh, Nathan's favourite movies we covered, The Phantom of Soho, uh, the Crimi from the 1950s, mm. I think, or... Um, yes, but the skull... <laughs> But the skull um, is a, a bit more lively, uh, this one. But the killer has a skull mask, um, which it, it, he's chasing um, this woman around uh, TV studios uh, and sets, uh, and it wouldn't be out of place in an early 80s uh, slasher movie, certainly. Um, so it's, it's an interesting film in so much. You've got Vincent Price, you've got um, Peter Cushing and Robert Quarry, and, of course, uh, big horror movie stars, or certainly Peter Cushing and Vincent Price, more so than Peter, um, uh, than uh, what's his name, Robert Quarry. But uh, uh, although he was in the uh, Count Yorga films and was was being groomed to be one of the big um, horror stars going forward, but this is kind of looking back to their kind of halcyon days. Um, certainly, Vincent Price, because as I mentioned before, the film kind of stops every half an hour or so for clips from his old movies. Um, and Vincent Price is playing this fictional character of Dr. Death, who um, is, uh, I say, there's there's a great scene uh, at the beginning of the film where you have that, you heard at the beginning of the show, the uh, he's having a party uh, and a woman with the, with the worst American accent in the world jumps out of a cake uh, and like a little mini mouse accent sort of says, um, introduces him as uh, Dr. Death. Uh, and um, he has an argument with his his fiance because apparently she appeared in some blue movies. And when he goes up to give her her, her cuddle and apologise, he goes to um, uh, do so, and her head falls off. She's been decapitated, um, which is a fantastic scene. Quite unlikely in so much there's no blood on her pink negligee, but uh, there you go. Um, and so the film is it is it or is it not him who is the the killer? And there's there's nods back to all the kind of gothic trappings. He goes to live with Peter Cushing, and down in the basement for some unknown reason is uh, is um, one of his old co-stars who lives downstairs with spiders um, and has been horribly disfigured in a car crash. So he goes to work on the TV show, um, uh, reprising his role as Doctor Death. And um, then people connected to the TV show start um, ending up murdered by pitchfork, double impalement, being crushed by movie props, um, or being chased around the studio by a killer in a cape and the skull mask. So it kind of looks forward to the slash movie from the 1980s. I mean, this is only four years away from uh, Halloween. Um, and it's a kind of culmination, I kind of guess, of the the other the Vincent Price AIP shockers of the the Doctor Fibes and um, uh, and uh, Theatre of Death uh, films, which m- more played on the kind of murder as a set piece, which was kind of very much um, utilised in films like Friday Thirteenth going forward, um, and the old Grand Guggenal kind of um, uh, murder as a set piece, but Madhouse actually. Goes takes that further, and so much the the the, um, the murders aren't as flashy or showy as Doctor Fibes 
or um, Theatre of Blood, but um, it certainly ups the the slasher movie or the proto slasher uh, chase scenes, and um, so it's kind of a schizophrenic picture. Um, if you if you're not a fan of Vincent Price or films from the early seventies, you might find it a little bit slow for the first um, half or two thirds of the movie. But certainly, I think by the the closing third, it really amps up the uh, the action, um, and it's very over the top, very campy. Although I would say in some ways it's not as campy as Dr. Fibes or Theatre of Blood. It has a bit of a maudlin streak to it as well. Um, in so much Vincent Price isn't quite as campy as is in those movies. He's He plays quite a kind of a sad character. But, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I'm glad we're covering it because I know we have had requests to cover some of the some of those movies like Theatre of Blood and the Fibes movies, and I'm sure we'll get round to them eventually. But this is probably the most um, proto-slasher of his films and of course he was in the um the original house of wax which has its own kind of proto slasher leanings um from i think 54 uh so um yeah i'd be interested hearing what you guys think of it eric is this your first time this was my first time seeing it yes um and now I am a fan of Dr. Fibes movies, uh, Theatre of Blood. I haven't seen in a long time. I do recall liking it, though. And I did really enjoy this one, I have to say. Uh, I wouldn't be a huge devotee of the films of the iconic horror stars of this era. You know, I wouldn't be rushing out to see the all the Vincent Price movies or all the Peter Cushing ones or Christopher Lee. Um, as good as actors as they are, I think it's just a generational thing. Um, but having said that, I did it did enjoy Madhouse completely. Um you know, in a weekend where we'll be covering the first two Demons films in our Patreon special podcast, as we were mentioning, um, those two movies make no attempt at having a narrative, um, whereas here there's sort of plenty going on plot-wise. It, it's, it, it's, I suppose, a whodunit as such, but um, even I managed to guess who who was behind all the mayhem, and that's saying something because I'm the worst person for guessing killers' identities in slasher movies, so I'm imagining it was obvious to all you guys as well. Um, it's a really well-made movie, as you said. The, there's a strong feel of Theatre of Blood and the Fibes movies. Um, there is that campy sense, I think, as you said, not as campy as those ones, but um, you're seeing guys running around in capes and fedoras and, and just Vincent Price's voice in general is is really campy, I think. Um, he, you know, he can't help but be kind of almost effeminate, I suppose, with his voice. Um, it's certainly... T- was an interesting choice to put him. He's on. He's the voice on Thriller, isn't he? By Michael Jackson. Yes. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So yeah. So his voice has never been sinister to me. It's always been quite camp. I would think. Um, um, the scene that most reminds me of Doctor Fives was that one with the booby-trapped four-poster bed, um, which crushes the d- poor hapless director of the what's supposed to be the Doctor Death TV series. Um, I was wondering if Doctor Death is supposed to be. Um, based on Dr. Fibes at all, or, you know, this feels almost like it's Vincent Price's own version of Cat in the Brain or New Nightmare as such, where he's, um, you know, insinuation that the Dr. Fibes films have driven him insane in reality and forced him to go out and kill, or have they? Um, um, I also, I love that over-the-top character you're mentioning who's found in the basement looking after the spiders. She reminds me of, oh, that's what will happen to Justin now if he ever sort of loses the plot. This is the kind of thing you do, Justin, I think. Because it's kind of goth to live in the basement with lots of spiders, no? Uh, but I thought she was a little bit more with that ginger fright wig. I, it reminded me of something Yeah, else. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Um, um, her character, by the way, she, I mean, she's Faye Carstairs, I think. But when she gets married to Peter Cushing's character, she becomes Faye Flay. 
which I think makes her sound like a Thai prostitute. <laughs> um, um, but no, yeah, uh, thumbs up for me. A good choice, Madhouse. I actually th- find it to be far superior to the 1981 Madhouse. I wish I wish we had known that um, our Patreon, our sorry, our listener pick had been this version. So it would have saved us having to watch the 1981 version again for last week's show. But hey ho, um, yeah, big thumbs up for me. I love. Um, 60s British horror movies wouldn't do a lot for me. I wouldn't be a fan of Hammer, but Amicus stuff from the 70s I do really like, and uh, this is one of them, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, thank you, Eric. Uh, Joseph, how about you? Well, unlike Madhouse from 1981, which we recently covered, um, I'd only seen 1974's Madhouse once in the past, like, 30 years. So uh, watching it again was like basically watching something I'd never seen before because uh, I had not retained any memories of the film, you know, since I first saw it so many years ago. But um, I really enjoyed it. I think it does a really great job of kind of being, um, I guess, sort of meta before meta was meta. Uh, it humorously plays on, you know, Vincent Price's status as a well-established horror star. I mean, here you can't help but think maybe Price was beginning to feel his entire acting career was one note being, I guess, sort of typecast as a horror film centerpiece. And there's some good gags with um, him, uh, you know, running away from uh, Dr. Death, both figuratively and literally, almost as metaphors for him trying to escape his career, almost. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of how I saw it. But but uh, they they also do a good job of you know implementing clips from old Vincent Price movies that sort of underpin uh, the pathos of his character. You know, rather than say I guess pat out the running time like in something uh, something later but similar like um, uh, Doom Asylum. It kind of reminded me of that. You know, put in clips here and there, but it doesn't feel like padding here. But uh, I think mostly the film is it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it builds up to a good fiery climax. And, um, I think the killer reveal is both, uh, patently obvious with the uh, sort of the law of casting another big name in a famous role. So it's, uh, but yet there's a good joke there about the popularity difference between, uh, both actors. And so I guess, spoiler alert, the killer does turn out to be Peter Cushing's character. Um, uh, price and Cushing, um, you know, both, big great names but obviously one more so memorable than the other so i think they kind of they kind of play they kind of play on that joke a little bit here with um i guess cushing a little jealous that you know price got the doctor death role instead of him and in in real life i i would i would assume or at least in my mind that vincent price was is definitely a more recognizable name than peter cushing so there's sort of a kind of subtext there which i i got a kick out of i mean it's got some great set pieces some really beautiful cinematography and just you know just the right amount of uh campy acting all across the board i mean i i found no real fault with the film it's breezy it's it's a lot of fun um uh, it's just uh i don't know i just had a great time so thumbs enthusiastically raised high for me i think the um sorry the vincent price versus uh peter cushing um thing that's set up in the film reminded me of twisted hysteria versus hysteria misfits (laughs) (laughs) the jealousy and the bitter warring Mm, well, we'll see who comes out triumphant tomorrow, won't we? Oh, we will. Yes. So, <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> Nathan uh, what did you think of Madhouse? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I agree with what you guys were saying. I mean, it's just, I mean, I love Vincent Price. So, I mean, he's 
fun in, you know, everything that I've seen him in. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you guys said, the killer was pretty easy to guess. But, you know, I mean, that doesn't really take too much away from it. In all honesty, it's, um, you know, from the, for the fun aspect of it. And, and I loved all the death scenes. I thought they were all really good. I especially loved, um, you know, the death scene of the actress who got hung by her. Was it by her hair? Um and I'm like the the whole scene with the killer and her I thought was really well done and I liked the the chase scene between Vincent Price and the killer and then I also really liked the uh, chase scene at the end with um uh, the woman oh her name what was her name um his personal assistant that girl yes I cannot remember her name um but I loved her chase scene too and I mean I I just kept thinking to myself like. This is actually like a lot of fun, and, and and it did remind me of you know sort of an '80s slasher, and and at least so much as I thought the chase scenes and everything were, were fun, and and the whole thing just had this air of fun about it, uh, you know. And sorry, Justin, but you know since you brought it up, it's fresh in my mind. But something like Fender Bender that I don't really find to be a fun movie. I find it to be, you know, a little too bleak for me. But something like this is just fun all the way around because it's just so campy. And, you know, I just that, that's my kind of movie. I love camp and I love, you know, cheesy horror. I just think they're the best. And uh, I love the pitchfork death, too, by the way, mm. with Linda Hayden. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think it's yeah, I, I'm glad we got to cover this one. I mean, I'm so a big fan of the uh, early 70s yamicus like telson crypt and all of those but i'm mean, like with same with um eric i'm not uh I, I i quite like some of the roger corman films and some of the hammer films but they're not ones i i go back to and i think it's partly because of when we grew up wasn't it that mm. um we we're a bit too young for for those movies so that's why my introduction to vincent price probably would have been through michael jackson's thriller video uh and the song which is why we kind of knew him as that kind of, they had that kind of campiness. And of course he wasn't a horror movie star to start off with. It wasn't until House of Wax, I think in 54 that he kind of got that tag, but he'd been a kind of leading man um, before that. But he, yeah. See, I loved- sorry, just to, did you see that House of Wax is coming out on 3D Blu-ray? It will interest you, but not, it won't have any effect on me because I don't have a, a setup for it. But. I've got, I've got it already actually. I bought, oh, the, do you? Oh, I sorry, bought the yeah. French one but i've got the yeah in 3d and it works really well in 3d there's lots of yo-yos popping out of the screen and all sorts of things the stuff that uh, nathan likes um but that's uh yeah because it, it's um i think it was well if i remember the picture was kind of relatively square uh, i don't know if that was how it was shot originally kind of um which meant i could blow up really big on the wall so um, watching in 3d looked really good uh but uh yeah i i kind of there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie um uh it kind of from what i read i mean it was the last of the aip um vincent price collaborations it essentially was the the death knell of that kind of amicus kind of um you know that by the mid 70s that whole thing had kind of died off to some degree not completely, but certainly for Vincent Price. And then he came back and was um, parodied himself even more in films like uh, Bloodbath at the House of Death with Kenny Everett and The House of Long Shadows, again, with, with Peter Cushing in the early <laughs> 1980s. Um, but uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of bittersweet in a, in a lot of ways. I think you're, you know, you're on the money, Joseph, when you're sort of saying that maybe 
I don't know. It's almost Vincent Price is like say running away from what potentially he'd become um, uh, kind of a shoehorned into, or become a sort of a what's the word for it? Um, you know, he basically typecast. typecast. Yeah, but that's why. Or... Yeah, that's why I kind of felt he had like a certainly maudlin character to him, which I think Doctor Fibes did to some degree as well. Um, uh, whereas um, Theatre of Blood, it was very, very much kind of much archer, much sort of campier. Uh, but um, but yeah, I uh, you know I love British horror movies from the 1970s. Not all of them, but I do. You know, I mean, those are the films that were about when I was growing up, and I was too young to see them. So they were the films that I wanted. To, I remember wanting to see, uh, and it has a you know really nice kind of quirky characters like the the couple that are um, the step uh, mom and dad of the uh, Linda Hayden's character. Who's they're this, really weird. Really weird, and they're kind of she's this, plays this fantastic strumpet who's trying to get to um to get a role in dr death and then she gets to come up and spy a pitchfork to the neck uh and i love you know the absurdity of having um like uh, movie props well the tv props in this case like the bed that kind of crushes the director as you were mentioning eric and the fact is that you you would you really actually have a something that could actually kill somebody you know a prop that could kill which i know sometimes props do kill and people have died on movie sets in the past but uh uh yeah and also the for american audiences they may not get the you know the um michael parkinson who is the, oh, the yeah. interviewer is um very very famous in the uk as he was the big celebrity interviewer through the 1970s and 1980s uh so that again that was a bit meta i like the fact that vincent price had been tra- uh, chased around by the mad killer around the studios and then ends up in this tv studio with a, an audience where he was actually meant to be there anyway but he'd just been woken up by his assistant and said or oh, come to the studio to meet me um so it all a bit convoluted but he ends up and then he kind of sits there and has a very genial chat with marco parkinson about his career after being chased <laughs> around by the mad killer yeah. five minutes earlier but there you go um um should we talk about some background yep who would like to go sure. who would like to go a first okay well joseph what have you got uh the title credits mention special participation by basil rathbone and boris karloff who had died in 67 and 69 respectively the film included scenes in which they had appeared with vincent price from previous aip films uh rathbone was in tales of terror in 1962 karloff was in the raven from 1963 uh, other aip films starring price that had scenes played in the film include the haunted palace the pit and the pendulum scream and scream again and House of Usher. Uh, Madhouse is very loosely based on a novel called Devil Day from 1969 by Angus Hall, uh, which bears very little similarity to the finished film. In the novel, the character Paul Toombs is an overweight and dissipated sexual predator who may very well have murdered his wife. His famous cinematic alter ego is named Dr. Dis, not Dr. Death. Uh, the novel was reprinted and uh, issued under the title Madhouse to coincide with the release of this film. And uh, that's pretty much all the background I have for this week. Okay. Well, thank you, Joseph. What about you, Nathan? Um, the film performed considerably less well at the box office than any other horror movies Price had made for AIP. And I got that off Wikipedia, not IMDb, <laughs> Justin. Oh, well, well done. Thank you for branching Thank out. Thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, no. No, okay. 
Thank you. Eric, how about you? Okay, well, as uh, Joseph was saying, very loosely based on the 1969 novel called Devil Day, and that's the title it was originally planned to be filmed under in 1970. Uh, Cameras didn't start rolling on the project, though, until May the 14th, 1973, when it was filmed under the title Revenge of Dr. Death. Um, There was lots of location shooting involved, and the interiors were done at Twickenham Studios. uh, uh, The interiors were done over the course of two weeks. Um, Angus Hall, the the author of the novel, was on set, and when he saw the rushes, he said it became patently clear that very little of his novel was actually going to make it onto the screen. And and most, you know, basically the only character that remained intact was Dr. Death himself. Um, Other names it's known as um, were The Madhouse of Dr. Fear, or if you Google translate the Greek title of the movie, it comes out as Terror at Home, the Ghosts, which I think sounds really good. Um, It was released in March of 1974, which was uh, when I was one month old. So it, it, it was released to celebrate my birth, really, when you think about it. Um, Jim Clark, the director, this was his last directorial outing. He became um, more known when he established himself as a highly regarded editor. And he worked on films like The Killing Fields, Marathon Man, The Mission, The World Is Not Enough. Uh, his last editorial credit was for 2008's uh, Happy Go Lucky, which was a Michael Lee movie. Uh, he died in 2016. Um the movies that uh, I don't did you mention the names of the movies that were pilfered for use throughout the film, Joseph? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, so minor scream queen Linda Hayden, as Nathan pointed out, plays Elizabeth. She uh, had previously been in Blood on Satan's Claw and Taste the Blood of Dracula, um, and she went on to diversify after this and moved into uh, to comedic roles. She was in some of the Confessions films. Um, Robert Quarry was also in the zombie black exploitation movie Sugar Hill. Uh, in 1974. Uh, Adrian Corrie, who plays Feyflay, um, the Susie-alike goth who lives in the basement with lots of spiders. Um, her most famous role was as Mrs. Alexander, who is the rape victim in uh, A Clockwork Orange. Um, Barry, <laughs> Barry Denon, who plays the ill-fated director who gets crushed by the um, four-poster bed. He is, according to IMDb, a classmate of George Takei. Now, I'm trying to work out if that's a euphemism, because, Justin, are you a classmate of George Takei? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I'm like okay. Nathan. <laughs> is he trying to be like a friend of Dorothy kind of thing? Is that what that's you're trying I'm wondering to do? If, if, I'm wondering if that's what, if use, a euphemism. A friend of Dorothy, a classmate of George Takei. Mm. Anyway, uh, he was married to a lady, um, and he, he once lived with Barbara Streisand, so maybe not. Um, he's best known for his work in musical theatre, particularly Jesus Christ Superstar, and he sadly passed away last year. Um, and that's all I have, Justin. Over to you. Wow, thank you very much. Um uh, you've covered most of the things um, I have. I just kind of wanted to mention that uh, Peter Cushing normally played very kind of um, amiable, kind of wise characters. And he was most famously obviously played the Van Helsing character in a lot of the Hammer movies. But he had played a killer before in the very, very grim, well, not grim, but it's, well, it is kind of very violent um, film from 1967. I think it was Corruption, another British uh, protest slasher where he plays a kind of sweaty sex killer um which is very much against type so um that's worth a uh, watch if you get a chance um 
Samuel uh, Z. Arkoff, who um, who kind of uh, was behind financing of this movie, um, he um, and behind AIP, I believe. He, he this is obviously the the last time he um, uh, because of the box office failure. It didn't the film didn't do particularly well, not compared to the successes of the Doctor Vibes. Um, movies but he went on to um to uh produce kind of notable subgenre offerings such as uh, the town that dreaded suntown in 1976 dressed to kill and the final terror in 1983 uh and i think we might have mentioned this before but uh vincent price was originally considered as the um the head counselor role or the kind of you know the older gentleman role in madhouse in uh, 1980 sorry madman sorry in 1982 uh but that wasn't it didn't come to pass unfortunately um the other things i just sort of sorry it was a troubled production um apparently vincent price was so horrified by how bad the script was originally that he got someone else in to rewrite it uh, and um, the only other thing I have is at the end of the movie, he went round and gave everyone a pound to go bet on the races um, after finishing the movie. So a true gentleman. Uh, and that's all I've got for the background on Mad I just House. have one last mm. thing. Um, when I was watching the end credits, one name st- stuck out just for no particular reason. Um, the wardrobe supervisor is a lady called Dulcie Midwinter. Um and she died in Surrey, which is where you're from, Justin, in 1997. But I just like the name Dulcie Midwinter. It's very, it's a nice name, isn't it? It is. Dulcie, you don't hear many Dulcies, uh, Dulcies no. anymore, do you? Or Midwinters. No, no. So, um, Joseph, do you want, we haven't got many people who have got back to us about this, uh, this film on the Facebook boards, but do you want to um, uh, regale us with some of those? Sure. Sure. This is from uh, Facebook. Lawrence Adams says, fave Vincent Price along with Theater of Blood. Um, And sorry if you hear thunder in the background. It's starting to rain really hard here. Uh, Lawrence Adams says, favorite Vincent Price along with Theater of Blood. I know Justin is a fan, right? And I think you responded to him. So Tim S. Turner says, I love it. Never understood the hate for it. Roger Cowley says, have not seen it, but it's another film you have brought to my attention, fellas. You're the best podcast out there by a country mile. Keep it up, chaps. Oh, and by the way, tell Eric when I play the music at HorrorCon at Sheffield, I've never played a Toya song, but I play plenty of Susie. Yes. Just saying. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but Toya is from, is from Birmingham, which is not that far from Sheffield, where Susie's from Satan's Bottom. <laughs> oh, Eric. Yeah. Simon Logan. That's Simon Logan says a first time watch for me, but a great one, though. I'm not sure how much of a slasher it is. Kirstie Alley was great in it, though. I think uh, you've been watching the wrong madhouse <laughs> yeah. again. That's a yeah. very... But then he, he then he, <laughs> yeah, he later goes on to say, a joy to watch. Price and Cushing in some in some in the same film with a guest appearance by Michael Parkinson. Who couldn't love that? More ham than something very hammy. It's always nice to get a British film in a, in amongst the American Italian ones, American and Italian ones. And something about this era is so endearing. Great stuff. Uh, over on Twitter, the bitter bastard says it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I like that name, the bitter bastard. Yeah. That's cool. It's a lot of fun. Price and Cushing play off each other really well. I love the Doctor Death outfit. It plays like a British Jallo, in my opinion. 
Travis says, I have never seen it. Sad face. And Alone in the Dark Book says, Love it. A childhood favorite. Watching as an adult, you notice some of the production issues more, but still a winner in, my, in our book, quite literally. Uh, hashtag Madhouse. Hashtag, hashtag Vincent Price. Hashtag Peter Cushing. And hashtag Michael Parkinson. <laughs> and that's all the feedback I have. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for everyone who wrote in. Um, do we want to do an after the credits? Nathan, are you... Um, yeah, we could do an after the credits on this one. Okay. So if you would like to play the jingle. <laughs> the jingle. Okay. Here the we go. jingle. It was very French. Don't stop. Shut up. 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 I think he went on to live a wonderful life and later went on to become a librarian in the town of Oldfield, Tennessee. And I'm going to pass it to Joseph. By the way, that's a reference to Vincent Price in The Offspring, uh, which is really oh, good. Okay. okay. Whoosh, clever. going over my head. I've never seen The Offspring. Oh, it's so good. I'll pick it at some point. But, uh, Joseph? Well, I obviously he was... Uh, applying makeup to his burn to look to look a little better at the end. But I think he might have led a, a somewhat normal existence until he died, and then he was unfortunately entombed. Tombs? Tombed. Is that your joke of the week? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Eric? Um, well, I think that the last five minutes are a hallucination of Peter Cushing's because um, the way that uh, Vincent Price seems to appear out of the screen all of a sudden, I think it, it felt like a supernatural event. So I'm thinking that was a hallucination because now he's gone insane because he possibly feels guilt over the death of Dr. Death. Um, so then the sequel has him basically doing the same stuff over again. It's just an impersonator, kind of like Friday the 13th, part five. Mm. Uh, and there's a woman with big boobs who goes around in the woods and gets her eyes clipped out with hedge clippers. <laughs> um, like, re- like really big boobs. Uh, they're pretty big. Uh, Justin? Well, I think uh, the Peter Cushing or the, the Vincent Price dressed in the, the makeup he borrows that uh, ginger wig and then goes on to have a couple of minor chart successes in the early 1980s before disappearing into obscurity and appearing on uh, Celebrity Cash in the Attic. Do you think Vincent Price is Toya? Is that <laughs> well, what you're saying? How dare you? It could happen. It could happen. There's nothing more prestigious than appearing on Celebrity Cash in the Attic. Did you? Oh, did you see? Actually, talking of, of Toya, did you see she's appearing in um, uh, Gran Canaria, uh, Mardi Gras? Oh, you'll be near, will you? Well, be be you near, go. but um, she's uh, appearing next to um, uh, a, a dwarf drag act, which you know uh, at Sparkle Show Bar, which I've been to, Sparkle Show Bar in Gran Canaria, um, mm. and it is quite 
quite funny but um yeah i don't you know i'm sure that's like i said in the post it'll be um it's a sparkle show bar in great let's hear what susie's up to recently nothing because she's a washed up has been and nobody wants to listen to her stupid records that are tunas and stupid apart from our friend in sheffield he's stupid as well (laughs) so anyway um at the risk of uh, we can see it's going to be a right old punch up tomorrow night isn't it we do the drunk oh tomorrow night should be very interesting At least we're talking about movies we like this time. Well, movies, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I like them. Well, well, let's, well, we'll find out. Wait so, see. yeah, wait and see. So, well, let's, um, let's play how to get in contact with the show. And this is also how you can listen to the Demons 1 2 drunk cast. Hold on. Hold on one second. Here we go. The content of this podcast was provided by Justin Kurzweil, Eric Frillfall, Nathan Johnson, and Joseph Henson. If you enjoy our program and are willing and able to provide a donation, please visit us on Patreon and become a content-designated subscriber. That's patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues. For non-subscriber PayPal donations and general feedback, our address is the.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. To listen and interact, simply search for The Hysteria Continues on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Susie versus Toya forever. Yeah, and please do become a Patreon supporter. And thank you to all of you who already are. Um, we're very, very grateful. It helps support the show and helps us uh, keep up to the, our high standards that we um, hold ourselves to. Uh, well, apart from Eric, of course. Um, so, um, yeah, so we're doing the Demons 1 and 2 drunk cast uh, tomorrow night. So that'll be out uh, later this month. Um, and it should be, well, if you heard a previous drunk cast, you might have some idea what you're letting yourself in for. Mm. Plus, what was it? Uh, Halloween uh, Resurrection, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Oh, right. I think yeah, it was. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and um, yeah, there'll be two original songs um, by, uh, sung by us, and myself and Nathan are duetting, and uh, Eric and Joseph are duetting on something else, but both songs from the Demons films. So uh, tune in to find out what those are. And mm. remember to wear earmuffs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do we have You're a in twisted hysteria anyway? <gasps> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'll have you know. I'll have we you are know truly outrageous. That I have the voice of an archangel. Yeah. And I have Lucifer. the voice of Toya. Yes, well, Lucifer. oh dear, that's not going to make anyone want to listen. Um, it's a nice day for a white wedding. Here. And um, and Nathan, always you put on. You've got like a your voice. You you become very British sounding with a like a falsetto. Uh, I, yeah, I thought that when when we sang, I sang in a British accent. No, it's very good. It's very good. Yes. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I was like, oh, dang, I'm good. You're very That's good. What I was thinking when <laughs> I heard I it. Somebody likes himself. And I'm so modest. <laughs> I'm just, I'm the best at being modest. Well, I did try auto-tuning our voices, but they were so pitch perfect anyway. It didn't make any difference. Oh, so. yeah. Auto-tune, it, it can't make us any better. We're No. Like, I mean, I, I can't, I have to say that we'll end up having chart toppers. We will. Top, we'll be on that. What is it? Top of the pops. <laughs> They'll bring it back just for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So tune in for that. More like. <laughs> More like pop of the tops. I don't get it. I don't get it. You you're going to get popped on by the by your top. 
<laughs> what? We'll it's, a, it, it's a gay joke. God. Oh, good grief. <laughs> yeah, that, that was... Uh, That's insulting to the gay community. It is. Yes. I'm so offended. I'm going to so, sue you now. Yeah. I'm sure you are. Well, You're a litigious bastard. <laughs> talking of jokes... Okay, this was kind of last minute. <laughs> um, so on Madhouse, the director said that Vincent Price was quite tough to work with, whilst conversely, Peter Cushion was very soft. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> ah, that was good, Eric. That was I not like bad, that. Thank you. considering that was... Uh, did you make that up on Spur of the Moment? No, I had it made up this morning, but it was inspiration was running dry. <laughs> you should do all your jokes last minute. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or not. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, so we we are coming to uh, the end um, of this episode, anyway. So, what are we covering next time? Uh, it's What's with the button Friday, the, <laughs> Friday the thirteenth is coming up, so we're going to be tackling Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, so that's coming up uh, next time, and obviously, you know what's coming up for Patreon pick. So, um, I don't I know think, what is it. I don't what? think we've mentioned it. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah well join us next time for Freddy vs Jason or join us for Patreon um, our Patreon pick Demons 1 and 2 uh, Drunk Cast and drink along with the fun or the abject horror of it all Um, so uh, yeah we're going to play out Um, I did think Vincent Price does sing the theme tune over the end of this but it's it's yeah I decided not to go with that but if you want to hear it watch the film I'm going to play out with um uh Momus's um the song and I can't remember the title of it now um what's death going to be like I think is the Who's the artist title. did you say Momus do you Momus. know Momus no ah you'd like Momus would I you would do they wear black lipstick no it's a it's a it's one it's a gentleman uh, Does he wear black lipstick? No, he's big in Japan. But you'd like him. He's very English-sounding, but he's actually Scottish. Okay. And this is from about 1986 or something. Oh, he should have said 1986, and I would have been on board. Yay. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. so I just have to mention the 80s. Yeah, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, well, thank you for listening to our episode on 1974's Madhouse. And, um, you know, we'll say goodbye to the good people. Bye. Tune in next week when we cover 1990s Madhouse. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Goodbye. It's a triple feature. Triple feature. Well, then we have to do 2004's Madhouse as well. Death will be unlike the night times when we lie awake thinking of death. Did we, we not cover this last week? Did anyone else think that the dog looked really fake in the film? It's <laughs> the so wrong one, Eric. You've not wrong. Oh no! Not no. I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> this is the one where the woman's head falls off. I mean, we could still stick it out early, as it were. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I like things up my alley. <laughs> oh, Eric. He's always recording. Always recording. That's the hard way. <laughs> It's bodies from peat bogs and bones. Death will be unlike the curse of the mummy, the 
turns the explorers to stone. Death will be unlike a great roller coaster, a plunge from a boast to a scream. Death will be unlike mahogany coffins, great pianists playing their wildest.